Hallelujah. God is so good. Praise the Lord. No weapon formed against us will prosper. I want to greet all of you in the love of Christ and thank you for joining us in this Sunday celebration. This is a beautiful day that God has given you and given all of us. And I pray that we can not only enjoy his comfort and strength, but also be inspired to move forward. And I just want to share with you some reflections that I've uh, Discovered this time of uh, of quarantine or being shut into our homes is a, a very it's an opportunity that we have to really grow and that's what I want to talk about today. I, I was looking at our situation here in the city where it's uh, tough to get in and out and to travel. We've we've been told and mandated to stay uh, at our home, take shelter at home, and only go out when it's absolutely necessary. But, you know, it's very similar to what I find when I study in the book of Acts when the first church, the first century church, was actually shut in as well. Uh, they could not, they decided to just stay closed in because for many reasons, one being that they were filled with fear. The Lord Jesus had been taken up to the resurrection and they were fearful that the same fate of his death would be theirs as well. And so they um, decided to pull away during the time of Pentecost and, uh, and, and, uh, and following what the Lord had told them to do, to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. But another factor, too, was this situation of uncertainty uh, that overwhelmed them so much that they became fearful. And so they, they shut in. They took shelter away from, uh, uh, from their normal way of life. And we have been doing that this week. Um, we're finishing up uh, almost a full week now of uh, being shut in, and right now the prospects are we don't know when they're going to lift this guideline, this rule, this requirement. And, uh, and I'd like to take a few moments today and talk on the subject of shut in but not shut out. Shut in but not shut out. Because if, if we believe that God is in control, and we believe that God knows everything, then actually this period of all of us being shut in is not a surprise to God. I would have to conclude that even in this, there is a, a working for good, Romans 8, that God is doing for us. That in the middle of what we're seeing around us, and you know, the, the glimpse that we have of the city right now here in New York is um, when we look out the window, you know, um, uh, and it's, a, it's, a, it's almost eerie when you see the inactivity going on. But I don't think that this, was, this caught God by surprise. I believe that all of us being shut in, uh, God has a plan and a purpose. And what I want to do for a few moments is just uh, take you by the hand and let me walk you through what I've discovered in the first century church in Acts chapter 1 and part of chapter 2. And how it applies to us. If God had a purpose, then what is the purpose for our shut-in? Because, you know, right now, we're probably, if you're like me, we're probably sleeping too much, eating too much, binging too much on the Honeymooners and on I Love Lucy and all the other movies that we want. And then we, we, we've always been praying, Lord, if I only had more time. Here we have all this time, and I really wonder what, and I'm not just Accusing you, I'm including myself. I wonder what have we been doing to really come out different? 
because we, this uh, storm will end. And I think the biggest tragedy, one of the tragedies that we can face is that we end up coming out of this situation exactly the same way as we went in. I believe that God has a time for our own development, strengthening, maturation, that is tied up with this whole journey of being shut in. So we're not shut out from God's purpose and God's plan. We're the ones that can close that door. But look with me for a moment uh, in, in Acts chapter 1 and 2, particularly in verse 12 and 13 of chapter 1. It says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And they shut in during the time of Pentecost, the celebration of Pentecost, which is the Feast of Weeks, 50 days after the Passover. During this time, they were shut in. And they were there really because of specific instructions that they should go there and wait for the promise of the Lord. But they separated themselves. God's intent for them was to be separated because God had a plan. The way I relate that to today, as I just said a few moments ago, is I don't think that God just wants us to be cut of our daily, cut away from our daily activities. There is a plan of God so that we can reach our purpose and, and, the, and the plan of God and the potential that God has for us during this season. Let me submit to you some observations as these people, these apostles were shut in. I want to share with you really four major things. One is that they were shut in for prayer. Two, they were shut in for preaching. Three, they were shutting to prepare. And four, they were shut in for power. They were shut in for prayer. Look at verse 14. It says, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They weren't just separated for the sake of just being separated for, the, for their own safety, uh, their fear of fear, uh, their fear of being persecuted as Jesus was. No. Uh, they were to take that time and seek after the Lord. And the direct application, I don't even have to push this point that much. You know that where I'm, where I'm going with this. I'm not against doing all the things that we're doing and how we're wasting a lot of time. Uh, but I believe that we should also separate a time to get closer to the Lord to our, with, by having conversation with Him, by talking to Him, by praying, uh, praying to Him and seeking to grow spiritually. Again, I don't want to emerge the same way I went in. I think God is putting us through this treadmill of, of development, this journey of growing us. And the only way I can know the purpose of God is if I have an active dialogue with Him, and that dialogue is through prayer. These apostles used the time that they were shut away, awaiting the promise of the Lord, and not uh, paying attention to the confusion that was outside. Remember, the Lord said that he would, yes, he would be crucified and he would come to life, uh, resurrect in three days. And we'll be talking about that in a few weeks when we celebrate Ho uh, Holy Week. But they were, they were filled with this sense of ante anticipation of danger coming their way. But they decided to seek after the Lord. I want to encourage you, and this is what I do. Follow my example on this. Yes, do all what I just mentioned. Eat too much, sleep too much, all of that. <laughs> Take some time and talk to the Lord and see what is, what is it the Lord is telling me, what is it that the Lord is guiding me toward and be shut in for the sake of prayer. If we look, if we continue reading in verses 15 and 16 of the same first chapter 
of the book of Acts, we see that in those days Peter stood up among the believers, a group of numbering of about 120, and he said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke a long time ago. And here I want to talk about shut in for preaching. Because if you study the life of Peter, and when I mention Peter, right away we think about him walking on water. We think about him denying Jesus. We think about him being impulsive and trying to chop a guy's head off and missed and got his ear. We think of all of that, that he oftentimes got into trouble because he spoke before he thought. He acted before he was able to uh, reason with wisdom what the, the consequences of his action. That was Peter. But in nowhere, no way and nowhere in the Gospels do you find that Peter preached a sermon. It was during the shut-in period, when they came out of the shut-in period, that all of a sudden he becomes not just preaching a sermon, becomes a preacher extraordinaire. An evangelist with very little comparison even till today. Imagine for those preachers that are listening to me right now that the very first sermon, because that was Peter's first sermon, and if you're a preacher, I want you to study that because you need to realize what components he had there in that sermon that made him effective. But think about it, that the very first sermon that you ever preach right outside, as the moment you, you, you preach your, same, your first sermon, that thousands of people respond to the altar call. I mean, that's, that's a dream come true. The reality is that many of us have not experienced that, even after seasoned years of preaching. And Peter came out of that shut-in period proclaiming, preaching, pronouncing the good news of Jesus Christ to such an extreme that people actually, it says in one portion, if you, again, if you study deeply his sermon, it says that his words pierced the hearts. He didn't entertain. He was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So he pierced the hearts. And people call for repentance. How can we be saved? How can we have this that you're talking about? They would, they would say to him. So during this time of, of, of being uh, quarantined and, uh, and being shut in, uh, we are shut in for the sake of preaching. But how does that apply if you're not a preacher? It's about proclamation. It's about living out the story of the gospel. You've heard it said so often, sometimes we have to preach and once in a while we should use words because our lives are the ones that need to demonstrate. So how does that play out for you today? I think that the most balanced and calm people right now as we navigate this period of coronavirus, if I believe that the people that should instill more faith and calmness in the entire world, in your family, wherever you might be, is you and I. If the Prince of Peace resides in our heart, then we should not be inflaming and agitating people's worries and concerns, but quite the opposite. We should be proclaiming that the gospel of Jesus Christ strengthens our faith, that the gospel of Jesus Christ sheds light into places of darkness, that the gospel of Jesus Christ allows us to experience peace and transforms even our reactions to chaos and to infirmity. You proclaim the gospel that way. And how else can we proclaim the gospel? We heard it prayed earlier when Pastor Ian Almanzar was sharing that we need to call people and connect with people. We need to, I think, every day at least call three or four people or text them or somehow connect with individuals and not just the people of faith but other individuals to, to see how, just check in, see how they're doing. Yesterday I was able to, I, a lot of phone calls, but in the middle of all those phone calls, I get people just questioning, Pastor, tell us how you're doing, how you're coming along. We need to do that with everyone else. When we do that, then we're living as people of faith. Then we are proclaiming 
then we are propagating the good news. Then we are, we are bringing the good news to the hearts of people that are in need. It is not just keeping it to ourselves. So Peter got up and he preached, and he preached a tremendous sermon. And he, he proclaimed the gospel. So as shudders, we need to be able to be doing that in our lives, allowing the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, to come out. And when you send a text, send an email to individuals, lace it with a scripture, lace it with an encouraging words, instead of, uh, oh, this is going to get worse, this is going to be horrible. You know what? It might, it might not, but we're going to leave it in the hands of the Lord. But we're living in the right now, and we're going to try and encourage people around us. That is proclaiming. So we're shut in, one, for prayer. We're shut in one to preach or to proclaim or to announce the good news of the gospel. But the third observation I want to bring to you is that we're also shut in, church, to prepare. Verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 21 and on, a few verses after that, but I'll just read 21, and that'll set the stage for this point, and that is, therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time, uh, with Jesus, and was living among us. And there they were in preparation to... Uh, uh, appoint and select someone that was going to be the next apostle coming in because as we know Judas's uh, fate uh, through his own actions uh, took him out of the scene and but here, here they are shut in but they were making strategic preparations strategic plans for what would impact the first century church and I think it would be a waste of time if all we do is what I mentioned before and we don't plan for what will happen once this is over. Because church, we're going to get out of this. We're going to walk out of this and different than when we walked in, slimmer in the sense of, you know, all the baggage that's been holding us back, because I believe that's what God is doing too. He's allowing us to see those things that are insignificant and push them aside. But we need to prepare and paint the picture. You hear me telling often, not only are we going to get out, but I can't wait till our sanctuary is filled with people. I can't wait for that first Sunday service that we have when we have to, you know, people are just busting through the doors to try to get. I can't wait to see your face. I can't. I miss you. I can't wait for all those hugs that we can have without worrying of, of anything other than somebody squeezing us too tight. Paint the picture for tomorrow. You know, paint the picture for your family for your children, for yourself. When you do that, it, it, it keeps hope alive inside of you. This is not going to define our church forever. It's not going to define our society, our culture forever. We will look at this historically at one point. Right now, we're navigating through it, but I think we need to start planning. And part of the planning is, what do I need to do to make myself better? What what readings, what programs? I, I've been watching preachers. I've been watching teachers. I've been watching natural, uh, uh, the animal channel quite a bit. Things that would enhance me, that would uh, uh, help me to become better. I'm also reading and rereading and, and scripture, yes, but also other material I'm reading. To, so I want to come out this better than what I'm coming in, than, than what I'm in right now. And we need to prepare church because if, and now I'm speaking directly to PCC people, the folks from Primitive Christian Church, if what the Lord spoke to us is true in the last quarter of last year, when he said to us the, the best is yet to come, we need to do something to prepare for that best to come. We can't wait for us to get to that place now, cross the threshold, and we're not ready to be able to embrace that. We need to be able to start making preparation, make ourselves better, increase our capacity as I've taught before. Increase our capacity so when the blessing of the Lord comes, whatever it might be, 
It's like when, when in, during this scenario here in Acts chapter 1 and 2, when the question that was posed is, but how is this going to happen when they were talking? How is this going to happen? And church, church, we don't know. I don't know all the answers, but I am seeking after the Lord. And I know that I have a job and a responsibility to enhance my capacity to work on developing my areas of weakness to make myself better. So when the blessing shows up and the opportunity that God has shows up, I am ready to grab it and run with it. We have to be like that as a church. Don't look back at this time that we have shut in and say, I should have whatever. I should have whatever. Do it. Start preparing. So I talked about shut in for prayer. Shut in for preaching or proclamation. Shut in for preparation. But then, of course, I can, you can't have me teach and preach from Acts chapter 1 and 2 without talking about power. Amen? So chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, look at what it says. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is a key, a key, a key uh, portion of Scripture that sets the stage for the Acts of the Apostles. And I'm not talking about just in the book of Acts. I'm talking about there on. The, the, the book of Acts is, is written without a conclusion. We continue to do the acts of the apostles. And here it was that what was needed at that point, Christ had already ascended, but what was needed at that point was the promise of the Father. They needed to have a special outpouring of divine power over their lives because what they were going to work at achieving for the sake of the gospel was beyond their own natural abilities. In fact, if you look closely, at the, sec- the latter part of the chapter 2 of Acts, it says that because they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, not only did they speak in tongues, and I don't know where you land on that or not, but let's stay with the text. Not only will, will they be speaking in tongues, but they became agents of change. They spoke to powers. They spoke to the context. In fact, if you continue reading, the Bible, the Bible says that the church, the group of believers, became the center for providing resources to anyone in need. And that was, is what power is going to do. It is obvious that science has failed us. It is obvious that the powers have failed us. Government has failed us. It is obvious. Look at the situation where we're in right now where many people did not have to die but yet they have. Many people did not have to become infected, yet they have. But how can we move forward? Not the same way. We have to be filled with power so that we can have wisdom and insight and leadership in order to be able to navigate to what is ahead of us. And I believe that, church, we're going to see incredible exploits, incredible miracles, incredible happenings. But it's not because of science. It's not because of the, uh, the, 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 the community learnings. It's because the church has to be endued with the power of the Holy Spirit in order, in order to provide leadership into the future. People are not interested anymore about the eloquence of your words. This is showing it. People are not interested in about, in about how grandiose your building looks like. This event is showing it. We can't even be in our buildings uh, to worship while this is going on. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to move forward. So church, we are shut in for sure. But we're not shut out. We're not shut out of God's plan. 
We're not shut out of God's purpose. We need to do the following. Us at PCC, but also those that are listening to me in other places. This is what we need to do moving forward. I believe this is a powerful direction from the Holy Spirit today in this text. Number one, we need to stay united. We need to live in harmony. We need to put away all the bickerings that we had about whatever it might be. It's amazing how much time we spend on, on theological uh, uh, discourse and things that don't matter too much to those that are lost. We need to be united. We need to start pulling from here or there. And we need to get united under the banner of Christ, which takes me to my second point. We need to be laser focused that this is not about me. It isn't about you. It isn't about the size of the church. It isn't about the size of the budget. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Right now, no pastor can be worried about losing their members to other churches. All the churches are closed. If they don't come back, it's probably not because they were lured somewhere else. Let's leave it there. I won't go any further than that. But you can't be worried about that. You need to be laser focused on the cross. You need to be laser fo focused on the message of the cross. You need to be laser-focused on meeting the spiritual needs of our people. You need to be laser-focused on what Christ would do and speak justice to power and, and, and dislodge the blockage that we see in hurting people that need us most. That's what we need to be doing. That's what we need to be doing. So we need to be unified, but we need to be laser-focused. If you are on a building plan, deal with that responsibly and finish it off. But God is not interested in bigger sanctuaries. He wants people with hearts that are receptive and men and women that would preach the gospel and pierce the darkness with the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ into those places. That's what we need to do, be united, but stay laser focused. The church is not a coffee house. The church is not a, a social club. The church is an agency from God to bring the good news to the hearts of society and culture. That's what we're about. And we become comparative one with the other. Look, it doesn't matter about the eloquence of your words or presentations. If it's laced and saturated with the power of the Holy Spirit, it will do what it needs to do in the hearts of people. We need to be laser focused. This is not about me. It's not about titles. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus yesterday. It's about Jesus today. And it's about Jesus tomorrow. If we can be laser focused on that, we will see transformation happen in our culture. We also have to realize a church, not only un united and, and living in harmony, not only focused on, on the purpose of Christ in, in our lives and in our message, but we need to allow the fire of the Holy Spirit to transform us because we have a responsibility to the up-and-coming generation. I feel a heavy burden as a pastor who's been around for a while that the power of the Holy Spirit has to rest in my life now more than ever in this season in my journey to be able to empower the up-and-coming men and women that we're seeing with incredible giftings. What we do has to impact the next generation. While what we do and what we say and how we carry ourselves has to transform us so that that message can transform others as well. Jesus is still relevant. The church is still relevant Lives matter. Lives are, are at the heart of God. That's what he wants, to be able to build his kingdom one person at a time. We don't have the option to discard one or the other. We have to reach them all. That's what the gospel is about. It's about for God so loved the world, everyone that he gave, so that everyone can be saved. 
The only way we can be transformed, we need to move away from the things that have been hindered. And this resonates with me. Sometimes the, the, the studying, you know, becomes a blockage for allowing the Holy Spirit to just flow. The fire of the Holy Spirit is what we need in our hearts to transform this up-and-coming generation. If we do that, then we will make the most of this time being shut in. And if anybody needs to have a warning right now, church, it's the enemy. Watch the church when we emerge from this. Watch the men and women that will listen intently during our shut-in period that we're not shut out. We're just in a time of preparation. And be careful, sickness, when we come out. Be careful, demonic forces, when we come out. Be careful, established religiosity, when we come out. Because the church is going to, to emerge stronger than ever before. The beautiful church. I love that. I love God. The beautiful church, as Henry Now would say, the beloved of God. We're going to emerge more empowered than ever before. Learn the lessons. Let the Holy Spirit speak into your life. Use this shut in time to be transformed. And when you do that, you will never be shut out. Father, I thank you for this precious moment where I feel, Lord, the the anointing of the Holy Spirit to speak life once again into my brothers and sisters that feel depressed and disconnected and they, don't, they, they feel like they can't make it anymore and, and they feel like the walls are caving in around them. I pray, Lord, for the men and women that, uh, Lord, with that, that uh, sacred assignment to preach the gospel Sunday in and Sunday out, feeling weary, Lord, because there's a disconnect now with the shepherd and the flock. I pray, dear God, that the power of the Holy Spirit right now would visit every home, every person, Lord, as I pray over them, and that we might realize, Lord, that this time of being shut in can be used productively so that we can emerge as a powerhouse filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to be able, Lord, to take on, oh Lord, the challenges that lay ahead. We know that the best is before us. The best is about to come and arrive. We know, Lord, that this season of, of, of sickness will, will, will end. Help us, dear God, to emerge, strengthen, fortify, that we may move forward, Lord, not concerned about reputation and pride and what people might think, but rather that we might be able to point people to the, the cross, the message of the cross, the feet of Jesus, and that they can see through our example, men and women, Lord, that are given to you. I pray specifically, Lord, for our church here in the Lower East Side, Lord, thank you for uh, the, the legacy and heritage of this congregation and this ministry. Lord, you have allowed us to be present, standing, viably standing during some of the most difficult times for our city, our state, and our nation. Lord, we were able to stand and weather the 9-11 assault over our country. Lord, and we stood as a beacon of hope. And now as we're facing this assault, Lord, which is not just, uh, Lord, troubling our nation, but covering the entire world. Lord, we say yes to you, not because we think we can, but simply because we know how to be obedient to you. And what we don't have, you will provide. And what we need to do, you will give us the instructions. So, Father, we stand, Lord, in the gap today. Let us shine the light. Let us be the salt of the earth. Allow us, Lord, to continue ministering forward, even if it's through this medium, Father, that we might be able to do it effectively for your glory and for your praise. I thank you, dear God, as I pray this prayer of blessing over my brothers and sisters. Amen and amen and amen. God is so good. Praise the Lord. If you can, there in your home, stand with me for a moment. Those that are here helping us, we're not able to congregate today, but we do have a, 
group of people that are helping us actually transmit this service over to you. What I'd like to do is pray the prayer of blessing over you, and then right after that, uh, we'll receive the blessing of the Lord through a song that we'll present to you on the screen right after my prayer. But uh, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. I'll lift my hands and bless you. Father, I thank you for this precious time that we've been able to enjoy. Thank you for your presence here and in our homes. And I lift up my hands and bless everyone with the blessing of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we might be blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. I thank you, the Lord, praying this in Christ's name. Amen and amen. I love you very much. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday, and we'll reconnect again. Amen. Let's be blessed by this song. God bless you richly.